When the moon meets culture, a way of life was captured in nine chapters in publication 249 and framed in podcast 137 in ISBN 9798885256247. Theoretically speaking, my mental processes were activated because I wanted to gain knowledge and comprehension regarding the pertinent question whether we need the moon. Given the specifics and relevance of this topic, I will juxtapose the same against Henry Little's statement, I quote, for almost the entirety of man's recorded 50,000 year history, the moon has been unattainable, end quote. Provides scope for the reason why I am investigating the same so as to ascertain how global citizens think and the processes involved. Now that I have established context at this juncture, let me categorically state from the outset that I am not an astronomer but an author, cinematographer, media art specialist, licensed cultural practitioner, podcaster and publisher who has a keen interest in protecting and preserving the natural environment in nature and the world. In pursuance of research, I have unearthed the fact that Widow Massey had captured and framed in detail the fact that life on Earth would be quite different without our natural satellite. Most would agree that the daily rising and falling of the moon along with monthly waxing and waning cycles have effects on our oceans and seas. The tides are crucial to life. Tidal pools sheltered and renewed in rhythm with these cycles. Cattle lies some of the first stable ecologies and still represent unique niches. On the other hand, in all plausibility, all things being considered, we might owe our very existence to it because its pull of gravity might have set or plate tectonics in motion. To further elucidate this point, as I continue navigating this space, I have discovered that the stark reality is that without plate tectonics, our planet might be more like Venus, toasty and dead. It raises the level of the world's oceans towards the equator. In spite of this truly chronicle lens, I have also gleaned that historically speaking, in this ambience, the usual English proper name for Earth's natural satellite is simply the moon. Occasionally, the name Luna is used in scientific writing and especially in science fiction to distinguish the Earth's moon from others. While in poetry, Luna has been used to denote 
personification of the moon. This information that I have gleaned thus far has set the tone and tenor for this conversation, coupled with the fact that the same becomes the positive theory when the moon meets culture, a way of life. This expository is not only a theory and an abstract, but a fact, since the moon has significance across the globe in different ways. For example, there is a perception for many that the moon is seen as the opposite of the sun for balance in the world. In Western and Chinese culture, the moon is associated with feminine energy. By contrast, the sun is associated with masculine energy. That said, it is important to note that the moon is Earth's only natural satellite at about one quarter the diameter of Earth, which is comparable to the width of Australia. It is the largest natural satellite in the solar system relative to the size of its planet, the fifth largest satellite in the solar system overall, and is larger than any known dwarf planet. It is reported that exploration of the moon also created new business opportunities for technological innovations and applications and utilization of new resources. Therefore, establishing outposts on the moon enable adventurers and explorers to extend exploration and settlement to planets and moons beyond Earth. By definition, the moon is a planetary mass object that forms a differentiated rocky body, making it a satellite planet under geophysical definitions of the term. It lacks any significant atmosphere, hydrosphere, or magnetic field. Its surface gravity is about one-sixth of Earth's 0.1654 g. Jupiter's moon low is the only satellite in the solar system known to have a higher surface gravity and density. The moon is a luminary, even if the light it brings to the sky does not actually originate with itself. Saying that the moon is a light is an example of a phenomenological language which people use all the time. It is not improper to speak of the sunrise even though the sun does not actually rise, rather the earth rotates on its axis. The moon produces its own light. It transforms energy into light. It absorbs light from the earth. The moon lights up because the moon is like a mirror. When shine, light on it reflects. That's why when we have a lunar and solar eclipse, the moon changes. The moon's westward motion across the sky, although the moon is moving eastward around the earth, the earth is also turning to the east and much faster for it goes all the way around its axis of rotation is just under a day. As a result, although the moon is moving to the east relative to the stars, the much faster westward motion 
of the sky is carrying it to the west. So despite its eastward motion relative to the center of the earth, it rises in the east and sets in the west, just like any other celestial body. According to Vidis Hawking, half of the moon's surface is always illuminated by sunlight. However, just how much of that light we can see from our point of view on Earth varies every day and this is what we refer to as a moon phase. The moon does not radiate its own light, but the moon's surface reflects the sun's rays. In Western culture, we divide the lunar month into four primary and four immediate moon phases. Technically, the primary moon phases occur at a specific moment in time, and the intermediate moon phases take up the time in between. New moon is the first primary phase, and it occurs the moment when the sun and moon are aligned with the sun and earth on opposite sides of the moon. A new moon cannot normally be seen from earth since only the dark side of the moon faces our planet at this time. Sometimes, if the new moon is close to the lunar nodes of its path, it can cause a solar eclipse. The greatest difference between high and low tide, also known as spring tides, takes place around new moon and full moon. The moment a tin silver of the moon becomes visible after new moon is the beginning of the first intermediate phase. The Waxen Crescent Moon In the past, this used to be called new moon while the darkest phase was called dark moon. This traditional definition of new moon is still in use in some cultures defining the beginning of the months, for instance, in the Islamic calendar. The rest of the moon is also sometimes faintly visible during most of this phase because Earth also reflects sunlight onto the moon. This phenomenon is called Earth shine or Da Vinci glow and it is most noticeable in April and May. First quarter moon is the second primary moon phase and it is defined as the moment the moon has reached the first quarter of its orbit around Earth since the name. It is also called half moon as we can see exactly 50% of the moon's surface illuminated. Whether you see the left or right half illuminated depends on several factors, including your location. The smallest difference between high and low tide, also known as neap tides, occurs around the second quarter moons. The second intermediate phase, the waxing gibbous moon, lasts until the next primary phase. Waxing means that it is getting bigger. Gibbous refers to the shape which is larger than the semicircle shape of the moon at first quarter.
but smaller than a full circle. The full moon appears in the night sky when the sun and the moon are lying on opposite sides of Earth. How can full moon be in the daytime? Technically, this alignment only lasts a moment. However, the moon can appear to be full a day before or after while more than 98% of the moon's disk is illuminated. When a full moon occasionally passes through Earth's shadow, it will cause a lunar eclipse. When the full moon comes close to the points of its orbit that are closest or furthest away from Earth, we call it a supermoon or micromoon, respectively. The full moon appears in the night sky when the sun and the moon are aligned on opposite sides of Earth. The third quarter moon occurs the moment the opposite half of the moon is illuminated compared to the first quarter moon. The sun illuminates less than half of the visible part of the moon during the waning crescent moon phase, and you can sometimes see Earth shine on the rest of the moon towards the end. One of the most subtle effects from the moon is what it has done to life itself. For example, nocturnal animals behave differently depending on where the moon is in the sky during its 29.5 day cycle. When the moon is full and bright, prayer fish stay hidden in the reef when they be most visible. Amazingly, lions are less likely to hunt during the full moon and researchers have found that lion attacks on humans happen 10 days after the full moon and many bats will be less active during the full moon. With so many species on Earth affected by the moon, it is reasonable to think that there would have been a different evolutionary direction for life on Earth over the eons and humans might never have evolved. As the old myths tells us, the moon is a powerful force regulating the unseen yin-like processes hidden under the surfaces of things deeply connected to water and moisture. There's also moon worship. Although the moon has not had great prominence in the history of religion, the worship of it has been known since earliest recorded time. In the oldest literatures of Egypt, Babylonia, India and China, and still exists today in various parts of the world, particularly among certain African and Native American groups. Moon worship is founded on the belief that the phases of the moon and the growth and decline of plant, animal and human life are related. In some societies, food was laid out at night to absorb the rays of the moon, which were thought to have power to cure disease and prolong life. The moon was frequently equated with wisdom and justice as in the worship of the Egyptian god Toth and the 
Mesopotamian god Sin. In general, however, the moon has been the basis for many harmonious legends and some superstitions. Madmen were once considered to be moonstruck, hence the term lunatic, and is particularly important in the practice of astrology. In many languages, the days of the week are named after classical planets or gods of a pantheon. In English, the names are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Then returning to Monday. Such a week may be called a planetary week. Occasionally, this arrangement is instead similar to a week in the New Testament, in which the seven days are simply numbered with the first day being a Christian day of worship aligned with Sunday, offset from ISO 8601 by one day, and the seventh day being a seventh day Saturday. While, for example, the United States, Canada, Brazil, Japan, and other countries consider Sunday as the first day of the week, and while the week begins with Saturday, in much of the Middle East, the International ISO 8601 standard and most of Europe has Monday as the first day of the week. The Geneva-based ISO standards organization uses Monday as the first day of the week in its ISO week day system. The term week is sometimes expanded to refer to other time units comprising a few days such as the non-dial cycle of the ancient Roman calendar. The work week or school week referring only to the days spent on those activities. A month is a unit of time used with calendars that is approximately as long as a natural orbital period of the moon. The words month and moon are cognates. The traditional concept arose with the cycle of moon phases such as lunar months, are synodic months, and last approximately 29.53 days. From excavated tally sticks, researchers have deduced that people counted days in relation to the moon's phases as early as the Philosophic Age. Synodic months based on the moon's orbital period with respect to the Earth-Sun line are still the basis of many calendars today and are used to divide the year. It should be noted at this juncture that the Earth is a planet, the Sun is a star, and the Moon is a natural satellite. The Sun and the Earth doesn't change its shape, but the Moon continuously changes its shape, means it appears to be changing shapes. At the end of the day, the Earth is a planet, the Sun is a star, 
and the moon is a natural satellite. The sun and the earth doesn't change its shape, but the moon continuously changes its shape, means it appears to be changing shapes. A prevailing theory is that the moon was once part of the earth and was formed from a chunk that broke away due to a huge object colliding with earth when it was relatively young. Now that I have engaged my mental processes, I have gained knowledge and comprehension whether we need the moon was captured in nine chapters in publication 249 title when the moon meets culture a way of life was framed in podcast 137 in isbn 979 8 8825264